I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. Are you Tony Stank? Don't get technical with me. She needs to sort out her priorities. That's no moon. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Welcome to the A Plus Z Movie Review Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm the A. I'm Zach and I'm Z. And uh, we're, this is going to be a different episode because yeah. we saw two different movies this we week. We went to the same theater, mm-hmm. the same day, mm-hmm. slightly different time, watched two different movies. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, before we get into all that, let's talk up our social media platform, shall we? Yes. This podcast is based off of our Instagram account, which you can find us at a.z underscore movie review. And there you'll find our up and down, thumbs up, thumbs down reviews for both of the films that we'll be talking about today, as well as uh, we got another film coming up in uh, shortly, the Gray Man on Netflix. Yeah, but today we're going to be talking about um, Zach taking in Jordan Peele's latest directorial venture in the movie titled Nope. And I went to go see Where the Crawdads Sing. Yes, the Reese Witherspoon produced uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, yeah. Based on the, a book, best-selling book, mm-hmm, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, with a high-profile soundtrack from <laughs> our, our girl, Taylor Swift. Miss Taylor Swift. Uh, Hot take, didn't love the song. <laughs> well, Just get that out right uh, now. No, I definitely want to ask you about that uh, okay. in, in more detail. But, uh, yeah, what, uh, where, do we, where do we want to start here? Let's start with, uh, with your film. We'll just get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us your thoughts about Nope. Nope. Uh, so No, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, this is going to be our non-spoiler thoughts. We're going to do a quick back and forth and get a quick review out there before we delve into deeper conversation of both of our movies. But my movie, uh, written, produced, directed by Jordan Peele, his third film after Get Out, which he won an Oscar for Best Screenplay. Uh, Us, which was less well-received, but still made some money. Uh, nope is a yep from me. <laughs> uh, I, wow. I, I, you know, we had stayed away from Jordan Peele's movies just because we're not horror movie people. And I was, you know, even, even, I guess the more I heard about even Get Out, I, we got interested because it's like, yeah. it's not really horror in the traditional way. It's a little bit more psychological thriller, which I'm, I can, I can hang with. Uh, and I then, was right on the line with Get Out and Allison Williams pulled me very far yeah. to that line but i just couldn't i couldn't get over it read the wikipedia plot and was satisfied sure and then <laughs> us looked way too creepy for either of us to yeah to actually do but nope because it is it, it it's full hollywood summer blockbuster like I, i'm gonna get into this a little bit more when we talk about it in deep but to me this movie is a modern jaws Wow. Not necessarily in terms of like, it is like the pinnacle of movie making for its time, like Jaws was, but everything, there's so many things in this movie and all of, apparently all of Jordan Peele's work that is very much an homage to film history. And if you love Steven Spielberg movies, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind or Jaws, those are 
all over this movie. Not even that. I, I would also say there's a lot of allusions to uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Like it, this, this movie kind of feels like Signs, if you ever saw Signs. Interesting. Because I would have said maybe that there's a lot of allusion to Westerns. Also also in there with, with the horse stuff. But I think <laughs> I think on like its most you mean basic. So they should call this movie Nay. Okay. Uh, I think on a, on a basic level, it has a, it's like a combo of signs and jaws. Uh, and while there are certainly moments of, there are a few jump scares, but even half of uh, most of those jump scares are actually kind of played for a laugh. Um, there are a few moments of utter grossness, uh, but it's very fleeting and we'll get to it. And, and you didn't want to see this movie for several reasons, but I think it's one that you could have gotten through. Uh, but I just think, it is a movie that is discomforting, but also funny, but also full of dread, but also kind of hopeful. And it, it has a big third act kind of swell that it just the, the first third, the first act of the movie, it takes a bit to set things up. It, it is a bit of a slow burn as you're kind of figuring out what is actually going on. But once you kind of get your hooks into it, it really starts to move, and uh, I think I think it's a great movie. It makes me want to go back and watch Get Out and see, and kind of realize, okay, I think I can hang with Jordan Peele and not be like completely thrown aside by the horror elements of it. Um, so I I I really loved uh, Nope. I I would recommend it to just about anybody that that has even a slight interest in it. I think you should take it in because I think it's interesting uh, conversation type movie. Uh, with a lot of big ideas in the background that that you know can come to the surface if you dissect it, but I enjoyed it at, at its basic level. It is good summer movie spectacle fun, and remember the movie spec the the, the term spectacle because that's very important. But it's and see it on IMAX. It was shot in IMAX. It's meant to be seen in IMAX. It plays incredibly on IMAX. There's a whole IMAX component to it, I believe, right? Um, yeah, uh, there, there is a, there is a bit of an IMAX camera that shows up at one point <laughs> in the movie. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to get into too no, much about the, the IMAX version of it just cause that takes you into spoilers. And I think, I pl- I think they play the IMAX so, so well, uh, for this movie. So I, again, loved it. Uh, it's a yep. Nope is a yep. <laughs> uh, and go see it in, in the biggest format you can, because I think it, it really plays well in a big, a big theater with a big crowd. Lovely. And so I saw Nope. You saw Where the Crawdads Sing. Yeah. Alex, what did you think of? Did you like your movie? I did like my movie. Um, it's not quite the cinematic moment that Nope was or other films we've seen like Elvis or Top Gun Maverick or even Thor. It's a little more down to earth, maybe in a quite literal sense. Um, I went into this movie not knowing really anything, just that it kind of had some hype around it with, you know, my demographic of people. Um, and I was actually talking uh, to a friend of mine today because she was going to go see it and just wanted my thoughts. And I told her very simply that for what it is, it's pretty good. Um, it's a well-made movie. And I just enjoyed my time it was a nice change from those studio tent poles with all the cgi and the the threads and easter eggs and whatever um where the crowd ad sing is 
based on a book written by a woman named Delia Owens, um, who we'll get into. And uh, I, I just found it refreshing. It, the best way to describe this film is, or this story rather, I guess, is it's kind of like a Nicholas Sparks book or story um, where it's based in the South. There's strong romantic threads throughout it, um, a lot of emotion, but there's this twist to it that there's this murder mystery um, kind of woven in throughout it. And uh, that kept it interesting for me. It wasn't like mushy, gooey, rom-commy type uh, film. And um, it's also really a lot about like acceptance. This main character is a bit of an outsider. Um, and she gets put on trial for allegedly murdering someone and um, just learning about her story and, and everything like that. It's, it's, it's good. I, it's led by Daisy Edgar Jones, um, who I think is an up and comer. She's been in some other stuff, but I'm not familiar. And the only like other two people that I recognized in the movies they weren't, I couldn't even like remember their names, but I've like seen them in other stuff. But other than that, it was like new talent as far as I'm concerned, which was also nice because I could really just immerse myself in this universe that Miss Reese Witherspoon has created. <laughs> yeah. So Daisy Edgar Jones, uh, mostly known for British TV. Okay. Uh, in the States, she had her big break this year with this movie and Under the Banner of Heaven. That yes, Netflix, that's right. Uh, not Netflix, Hulu. FX. FX on Hulu with uh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it, it, so you liked it. I did, yeah. Because the, just as like a, a quick aside, the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie <laughs> is 35%. Yeah. I'm, the like, Metacritic score is 42 out of 100. It's like what I said. It, for what it is, it's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, depends on what what you're going in there for yeah and but it's not gonna win any awards <laughs> it's not like some reinventive masterpiece or whatever like no it it's just it's it's a good movie and despite the critical response to it uh audiences gave it an a minus cinema score which is yeah. very good um with it i guess it was tracking 75 or 70 percent of ahead of its uh, opening weekend gross so nice. Despite what the critics said, people loved it. It's I think it's one of those things where like all the people that love the book yeah. or people that just want something new and interesting. And I think that's something that's good about both of our movies that we saw is while, you know, I'm if you're listening to the feed, I'm sure you saw our Comic-Con coverage where we definitely talk about all the big movies that have, you know, all the IP that, that exists in the world. Both of these things are original ideas. And while, yes, your movie is based on a book, it's still... An original book. It's not just like, it's not like a Harry Potter series. It's not a, it's not a Hunger Games. It's just a, a, a nice novel that somebody mm -hmm. wrote and they turned into a movie. Uh, and, and Jordan Peele, this movie is completely out of his own brain. While certainly there's a lot of influences, it's still an original story. So nice that we can pair these two movies together for, for this review. Um, so now we're going to go into spoiler territory and uh, we're going to start off with a a deeper discussion on nope nope we're not nope nope but but we are this is nope <laughs> 
Yeah, nah, nah, nah. All right, so Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, again, as as mentioned, his third movie uh, after Get Out and Us, and uh, stars Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer as a brother sister duo that run the Hollywood Haze or Hollywood Hay Haywood's Hollywood Horses, mm-hmm. uh, which they in the movie now they uh, Jordan Peele kind of plays with actual history here. Uh, the, one of the first ever filmed images is a black man on riding a horse. And they claim that that's their great, great, great grandfather. And so they're like this old school horse people in Hollywood. And they're running into a thing where, well, first of all, a mysterious event happens where uh, their dad dies from some debris that just falls out of the sky. A nickel falls at high speed and just blasts straight through his head. Um, you don't necessarily see that. It's, you see his, his head afterwards. That's one of the gross outs. But um, and over time, they they're they're running into problems with the ranch because more and more spectacle is showing up in Hollywood uh, with CGI and big budgets and the whole mm-hmm. thing. So they don't need real horses anymore uh, as much. So to keep the ranch afloat, they're selling these horses to a nearby uh, carnival attraction that's run by Stephen Yoon, who was a child star on a TV show where a chimpanzee went nuts and killed a bunch of people. Uh, wow! <laughs> and they show that. Sort of. Yeah. It's kinda. it's obscured. Um, you don't necessarily see the chimp like destroying people's faces. Yeah. But you see a the legs of a body that are clearly bloody behind Ugh. a couch because Stephen Yun's character is hiding under a table, and you see the chimp who is all bloody, uh, and mouth bloody and hands. But Stephen Yun is fine. Like, Stephen Yun and the being chimp fine. are buddies. Him and him and the chimp have a bond. They have like a, a gimmick on the show where they do a fist bump. It's <laughs> like the first film fist bump and explode is what he says. Um, and all the while this mysterious cloud is just hanging over the ranch and occasionally Dale Kaluuya is witness to a flying saucer, supposedly that is eating or coming down and taking the horses and doing this whole thing. So what I mean, what I meant in before, when I say it's about, it's sort of like Jaws in that. Jaws was revolutionary at the time for building up that suspense and that dread of like, oh my God, when is this going to happen? Because you never see the shark in full, right? Until the very end. And they do a very good job of obscuring this thing the entire time. And (laughs) And as far as we're concerned, because we've been trained by however many decades of watching movies with aliens, that it's a flying saucer with aliens in it. Mm -hmm. Eventually they come to discover it's not a flying saucer. It is. It is the alien. It is a giant creature that flies through the sky and sucks living things up to eat them and wow. survive. And it, and it hides during the day in this cloud that is unmoving and just ominous and so creepy, but so effectively done. And so the way that I also say it's like signs where signs, there's again, peaks of the alien, peaks of the alien, peaks of the alien. And then the alien finally shows up and there's like a confrontation at the end. Um, you know, where you learn that the aliens, despite coming to Earth for resources, are allergic to water. Kind of a dumb <laughs> thing at the end of that movie. Anyway, um, I just thought the way that this movie made it so suspenseful and dragged you along and had that mystery going the whole time. Uh, and, and from what I've heard from people, the, the second time through, 
you catch things. Cause even at the end of the movie, like the, one of the big reveals, not the big reveal, but the final thing is they're trying to get a picture of this thing. Um, and they're, so they're trying all these security cameras and there's all this high tech footage. Uh, you know, they get this famed director that has a hand crank IMAX, uh, camera. And, uh, even a TMZ reporter shows up to try to get the shot. News crews are at the the the, the Jupiter's Claim attraction fair, uh, but the the shot gets from at this attraction fair. There's this wishing well sort of thing where you're supposed to look down into the well. There's a camera at the bottom, and it just shoots up, and it gives you a giant Polaroid. So it's like this original technology that captures the image. Um, again, on a straight level basis, it's a very entertaining monster thriller alien jaws sort of thing um you had mentioned though in just our our immediate debrief on the way home that it is also pretty funny it it, yes i i i mentioned that in the little review too that is funny i think the middle portion of this movie is pretty funny and it's jordan peele who we all grew to know and love through the key and peele sketch comedy show uh, where he's, you know, incredibly hilarious. Like everyone will always reference the, uh, the football roster uh, bits. You know, all the, all the names and the universities and things like that. Um, and uh, this new actor that I hadn't really seen before. Uh, his name is it was Jordan Pereira. Mm-hmm. Let me let me find that. Uh, yeah, Brand Brandon Pereira. Sorry. Uh, he plays a Fry's Electronics employee. Uh, Fry's Electronics. Yeah, getting, like getting I the mean, 2022 shout out. Right, just <laughs> coming back from the grave. I mean, yeah. why couldn't we? It, I wonder if it, if that was just like a pandemic thing where like they had committed to doing the fries of it all, and they, it was just too late to change to Best yeah. Buy. I mean, it made when you see the movie too. Anybody that knows like the famous Fry's Electronics store in Los Angeles with the flying saucer stuck <laughs> in the side of it, it's like when they show up and that's the fries they're at. It's like, oh, okay, you're hitting. Oh yeah, Fry's reference. Fry's Electronics is legendary in its own way of just like being literally being a place you can buy computers and all the parts and accessories that go with it, but every single store is, has a different theme. Like I went to one that was Tiki themed. Mm -hmm. That was our fries, but the, the flying saucer one, like there's literally a flying saucer Mm -hmm. sticking out of the building. And it's just like, that was just the vibe. Yeah. It it was very on the nose. It was RIP fries. It was great for the movie too. Cause that got, that gets a laugh. And, uh, the other the other thing that is, of course gets a laugh and you can see the scene in the trailer or you can just assume this happens anytime there's something just a little too scary or a little <laughs> too weird somebody just kind of looks out the window nope nope <laughs> not, not doing that and I just remember like, seeing Kiki Palmer running going nah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it, it it shouldn't be funny every time but it's funny every time um, so I, I think that also helps to kind of desaturate the horror and the suspense like yes it's it, it is definitely scary in parts and it, it you kind of get your heart rate up but my theater was laughing <laughs> like outright just guffaw laughter for some of these jokes which i didn't laugh as hard at, at some of them as the guy to my right certainly did <laughs> uh but it's a you know 
it it lightens it up at the right moment so you're not always kind of dragged down into the the terror and the dread of the thing that these people are experiencing which is pretty terrifying um, is there any resolution to this monster like i i get that the end game is to just try and get it on film right. parallel to like trying to take a photo of a ufo yeah. quite literally but like is do they like try and kill it oh, I, or uh, they don't they don't attempt i don't think they set out to try to kill it at the end but they do uh it kind of so by the end of the movie it, again we think it's a flying saucer shape the whole time with just a mouth on the bottom but eventually in this final confrontation it opens up to this almost like lovecraftian ribbon creature that's just kind of impressive on on a big screen it's it's wild the the design they chose but it just it's impressive and scary and just kind of awe-inspiring all at the same time and uh, so eventually it chases Kiki Palmer back into this uh, what's now a, an abandoned uh, a Western carnival attraction thing. Uh, and there's a giant blow up cowboy uh, that's supposed to look like Steven Yoon's character. And she releases it. And because this oh. thing. It, so the, the way that this thing, they uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character eventually figures out that it's similar to the horse. In that it will not, re- or it won't uh, take notice of you if you don't look at it. As long as you're not look make if you don't make eye contact with it, it will leave you alone. So they lure it to there, and this thing is a giant blow up cowboy, so it looks like it's making eye contact with the creature, and so the creature wants to eat it, and he eats it, and when he's eating it, the thing pops, and he pops, and the thing dies. Wow. Um, but it, it, you know, some people I've, I was listening to a discussion yesterday of some podcasters or YouTubers talking about it. And they said that maybe the ending kind of undercuts the whole mystery that we're building up the whole time rather than just like letting it exist. Um, but I, I it, for me, it played really well in the theater. And I think it's it's better for the mainstream audience to have some sort of revolution or uh, resolution at the end of it. Um, but I think it, it and so from just the design of that kind of plays to the artistic value of it from a visual perspective. When I mentioned seeing it in IMAX, I really, I really want to get this point in because the whole, the whole thing, as I said, is it's hiding in a cloud. And so there are tons of shots in this movie where it's just this, you're sitting in IMAX, this huge screen, and it just sort of pans up. You're just looking at the clouds and some of the clouds are moving. And there's the one that's not, and you're always looking for it. Like, it, it seems like you're always looking around all parts of the screen, like, <laughs> where the hell is this thing? I need to know if it's, it's, it's threatening in this moment right now. Uh, and I so I, seeing, I thought it was really good, like, in that, in that way. I remember seeing on Twitter just, like, some initial commentary about <laughs> it, and there was, like, a photo, that, that one meme of, like, someone pointing a gun to the clouds, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm ever not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, don't trust clouds, people. They're, they're out to get you. Another thing that I've seen online is a lot of people talking about how this might be um, Oscar bait for Kiki Palmer. Oh, interesting. Your thoughts on that? So I, I'm not too familiar with Kiki Palmer's work. We talked about this a little bit. Where, what's the one thing you know her from? Nickelodeon's True Jackson VP. Hmm. 
where not, she's not familiar. She is the titular character of True Jackson, and she is a VP. Great. That's all I know. Actually, I, uh, I I just know she came to a, a Anaheim Ducks game once, and they put her on the jumbotron, and I was like, oh, I've heard that name. I don't know who you are, or what you do, but and I'm pretty sure I told you that's True Jackson VP. Yeah. So I think. She said she certainly brings an energy. So I think it's the acting choice in this movie are so interesting because Daniel Kaluuya plays a very reserved. He's a, he's a horse guy where all he does is talk to horses and live with horses all day long. So he's very soft spoken, kind of talks and grunts, almost talks uh, in a way that you can't understand what he's saying. Sometimes that sounds like the antithesis of a horse girl. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in, in many ways. But he's just kind of like, yeah, uh huh. No, I got I got work to do. Got to go sleep. Sorry. Wow. And it, but he, I think he he does a phenomenal job. I think clearly he's found something with with Jordan Peele that uh, works, and I think Daniel Kaluuya was was awesome in in this movie. And then Kiki Palmer brings like a more outward, outgoing liveliness uh, to the movie, and it, it works for me sometimes, and it doesn't work other times. I don't I don't know if this is like an Oscar bait performance. Plus, I think it's it's just so early to like try to hold on to that for as long as she's she would need to. Um, I'm certainly interested in seeing where she goes from here because I think she's clearly someone that's on the rise, and I think this is a big this is a big performance for her, and I think she I think she does do well, but I think the and maybe that's on purpose. The energy she brings is because she's kind of hiding her own insecurities uh, by, by being that outward personality. Um, I think, I think that's just one of the many things that's while while we've, I've talked a lot about like what's on the surface of this thing. If you really want to dissect it and be a real, you know, a film, a film viewer, uh, you know, someone that takes in and, and enjoys the cinema. There's a lot of stuff to, to delve into. Um, that's good. I think namely like the thing that you can take for it. And even, even the most basic of film people can, can take in the, 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 the film opens up with a Bible verse, a very obscure Bible verse that I, I didn't even know this book of the Bible existed. Uh, it's Nahum three colon six. And the, the film or the, the quote is I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. And that's what I'm talking about. The spectacle. Because the, the thing that can drag throughout this entire movie. Is this is all kind of a commentary on how. We as people. Are kind of just looking for the next big spectacle. We can't like be bothered. To look at something. Unless it's a spectacle. We can even be distracted by something that's. Grotesque happening in front of our eyes. But we're distracted by the spectacle. Of something else going on. Um, and so whether that's uh, the spectacle of these big budget CGI movies take not needing the, the, the use for a real horse, whether that's the spectacle of this cow poke ranch thing trying to find its next big new attraction, uh, whether that's the spectacle of instead of just getting away from this stuff, they think, hey, we need to make money. And we want to get a UFO on film, but you can't just take a picture of it. You got to make sure you get the real thing, a real footage. And that escalates from cameras to secure live security cameras to this IMAX shot from this director that to and all that. And then that gets kind of undercut at the end because the, the big shot they got is this Polaroid picture at the <laughs> end of it all, uh, which 
you know, who knows is to say that it will even do anything for them. So I think it's there's so much going on with that portion of it. Uh, and then there's stuff about like black film history that Jordan Peele is really interested in and in, in, in trying to present to people. Um, I love that. And I, I just think there this movie, if you really want to take the time and sit with it, like I would love to go see this a second time because I think there is I think there really is a whole lot to kind of absorb and and uh critically assess the second time through in terms of the themes it's presenting and how it presents them and the things it drips along the the way like this this polaroid thing i i didn't even think like when it happened i thought it was just a funny little character moment kiki palmer walks into this fair when it's all set up uh and she's she sees these these kids looking into the bottom of this well, and she's like peering in there. And then she realizes that oh, she just photobombed their picture. So oh, sorry, kids. And you realize okay, that's a photography well. Cool, interesting, funny little quirk of this fair. You don't think about it ever again until the end when she's being chased into this thing. She slips and falls down, and what's right there in the background? As soon as I saw that well, I was like, oh, the photo. So then she's like gathering up all these quarters on the ground and, and putting them in and. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's so much going on there. Now I know there's one thing that you haven't asked me yet that we talked about yesterday. Oh, really? The gross part of the movie, the, oh, the yeah, like, yeah. uncomfortable part. So there's, there's a couple gross out scenes that are brief, but exist. Some of them are, you know, pretty tame, tame, I guess you've seen them before with like, Oh, a dead body. Like somebody, their dad got a quarter through the eye. And so, Ooh. Oh, look. It's a head with a bloody slot. Uh, at one point, because this creature has absorbed so many people and also so much junk with these people, like oh scooters and Ew. keys and coins and whatever, it eventually vomits up all this, but it's all blood vomit because it's Ew. like cut its insides, but it's all over their house. So it just gets <sighs> painted in this blood and guts and it's something. Not for me. It's quite the scene. But the thing that is beyond that i was even like can we cut away from this now please well no no well yes it, it's right before so in the trailers you see kind of a gross looking person like look up like a veil comes up that's right when so steven yoon's character is trying to lure this ufo out as like its new attraction to like hey i know how to tame it sort of i send this these horses that he's been buying from jordan peele's ranch oh, god he takes the horses and sends them out and this thing comes up and eats them and goes away the horse doesn't leave its carriage when it's supposed to. And the alien gets there sooner than it's supposed to. And so it sucks up all the people. And when it sucks up all the people, Ugh. we don't just like leave that. You then follow those people up into this thing's gut. Ugh. And you're seeing the people kind of moving through its esophagus sort of thing. Good. And it's just no. people screaming and compact spaces and gross and wet. And it's just like, ah, can we go to something else? And basically right before somebody gets to the mouth, area it cuts away so you don't actually see anybody get eaten but it's just like this extremely uncomfortable just like uh but it's again it's so well done and they don't and the thing is like yes it's gross when i explain it to you it's they don't linger on it i think it's maybe five to ten seconds of this scene it's again it's a very good job of being scary and full of dread and trepidatious in so many ways but it hits you with a laugh it cuts back to something else it gives you the happy ending it's you're still trying to figure out what this mystery is with these alien um 
And I just, I, I think it's a, I think it offers so much. It's a, such a rich and full film experience that I was happy to, to take in. I was willing to give it a shot. And then you just detailed that <laughs> esophagus thing. And I'm like, no, I think I respectfully. Nope. I think I do think it's something you could have sat through. Um, you just close. I just your don't eyes for want to parts. at this point. Yeah, I do have a question. So sure. I remember seeing in the trailer, there is um, a scene where I'm assuming it's Daniel Kaluuya riding a horse down mm-hmm. the main alleyway and there's just a shit ton of those used car <laughs> yes. salesmen like inflated people what yes. the hell are all those okay for? so that is so there's something that this creature does where it has some sort of electromagnetic field that of course whenever it whenever it's about to show up all the electricity stops working there's a blackout cell phones don't even work even things that have battery powers don't work um, or the audio on the radio slows down. The audio on the record player slows down. It makes it all very creepy. Uh, so when they're trying to, I don't know if they're trying to capture this thing or kill it, or I, I don't know what the initial goal is, but they end up killing it. To draw this thing, well, I guess they're trying to get the big shot at the end is what they're trying to do. And then it kind of devolves from there. Um, the, the big impossible like video of, of this creature. But to do that and to, to prepare themselves and to, for them to not get even themselves, they have to set up like a basically a security system, like a, a early detection warning system of where this thing is. So they buy or steal <laughs> an incredible amount of waving, wacky, inflatable arm two men and car batteries and hook them up and set them up all over their property. And so whenever one of them goes down, it stops working or there's a few of them. It's like, OK, it's coming this way. And so oh, it's like they're, I get it. it's they're their, like tracking it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and, and when that happens, it realizes it at first. And so it starts like poking in over here, poking in over here. And it's really setting up this like, oh, where is this thing just going to get here already? I'll tell you, though, just like no context, that visual of seeing all those like <laughs> do- hilarious. Yeah, it's it, it's funny. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's one of the funny parts where it's just, you know, it, it's very good. Uh, again. I can't wait to see what this kid, uh, Brandon Pereira, does in, in future movies. Because he was very good. Uh, very, very funny. Uh, ver- played kind of the strung out Fry's employee. He has the bleached hair with, it, you know, the, with his roots showing through. And it's, you know, stoner into the conspiracy theories, the UFOs and all that. It's, it's very funny. Because he, he, he's the one that kind of brings up the part of the spectacle kind of playing into this where the oh the the pentagon released all this information about ufos and nobody cared because it was like oh not great video so you gotta have great video to get this thing and have people believe and really make something here and so that kind of plays into that whole thing fantastic i loved it you loved it yeah that's great i really did i again nope is a yep and you know sight unseen i do want to go back and watch get out us i don't i don't think is gonna happen i read the wikipedia plot for us because it was just and i I don't know no it was even that one for me i was like that's that's too far no 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 um but i'm I'm excited to see what jordan peele's next thing is because again just he's gotten more and more money and this is his biggest film yet with in terms of budget in terms of scale with the imax of it all uh you know, I I didn't think this funny sketch comedy guy was going to be 
the next great auteur filmmaker that we had. Yeah. But he's he's nailing. He's knocking it out of the park. So I can't wait to see more Jordan Peele stuff. He was actually trending for a minute because someone this artist that I follow, his name's Adam Ellis. I'm sure you've seen his comics around. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He tweeted saying, I know this is a hot take, but at what point do we declare Jordan Peele the best horror director of all time? Can you think of another horror director that had three great films, let alone three in a row? Mm. And to which Jordan Peele said, sir, please put the phone down, I beg you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think either of us could speak to that. I no, mean, I cannot. There's, there's been great horror series, and I know there's people that really get in deep on this horror stuff. Um, but yeah, more qualified people can answer that question, yeah. but it's it's clear that like he has found his lane. Yeah. He's very good at this this type of art that and, he's choosing to Yeah. And again, I don't even think it's straight up horror. Like I don't the part of me doesn't like I don't like horror cuz I don't want to get scared on purpose. Like yeah. Especially that, that trailer for the nun even scared you. Yeah. And like <laughs> there's stuff like that where it's like intentionally gross and jump scares and just creep fest to the max is not interesting to me. Like I'm, sh- I'm glad it is for some people and there's some weirdos in this world that really enjoy that stuff. And it just, it is not for, for me, it's not for you, but like stuff like this, that is, yes, it gives you that. It gives you the environment of a horror movie where you're kind, if you were in if you were living in this you would be scared of like what is going on but it's like it's it's just that tension the suspense i like a good thriller like that that kind of strings you along and makes you question what's happening and and, and just makes you kind of like okay what's 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 next what's going to happen next that is the t- sort of thing that i'm in for like when it comes to horror movies my favorite before any of this just based on not a whole lot I loved the first saw the rest of them became gross out gore fest that were not interesting to anybody at a certain point. But the first saw is so good about like, what the hell is going on? Why are these people chained here? What's what's happening? And then the end of the movie spoiler for saw <laughs> when the supposed dead guy in the room stands up and that's jigsaw and he leaves and leaves these two guys to die. You're like, Oh my God, what just happened? This is nuts. Yeah. And it's like because you've been strung along for two hours, like trying to figure out and then it just blows you back. And it's incredible. I think something that might be a takeaway from Jordan Peele movies, as we're learning. And then, as you've mentioned, the first saw, not that I can speak to that, (laughs) but there seems to be just like a purposeful, methodical element to it. It's not just jump scare, jump scare. or You know, here's some severed hand because yeah. like ew <laughs> it's just like it's thought through it's done with purpose and probably appreciated a little more yeah because i i think that takes a little bit more artistry and and i'm sure there are some horror snobs or people that think that <laughs> that would say that no all of this is art and two yes anything can sure. be art but like yeah final th- destination five right art sure well yeah i think even <laughs> some people would say that would acknowledge that that's just like pulp you know it's just it's not yeah it's just cash flow it's just supposed to be entertaining i get for some people but none of that none of that stuff interests me stuff like stuff like nope truly interests me and so i'm i'm much more willing now having actually taken in a jordan peele movie to go back and watch get out 
and appreciate that for what it was and then be ready for whatever he comes out with next. So looking forward to it. Love it. I know you have a world of reasons to hate these people. No, I never hated them. They hated me. They harassed me. Oh, they never did see me here. You want me to beg for my life? I won't. And now that we've delved into Nope, where the crawdads sing. That's what you saw. It is. Uh, what, uh, you know, in, in seeing the trailer a little bit, um, kind of, to me, it looks like a legal thriller <laughs> with like the backdrop of a boy drama somewhere. Yeah. Is that accurate? No, or? it's actually like the complete opposite, in you, my opinion. It's, here's another question for, before you get into it a little too yeah. far. Did you ever read the book? Were you familiar that it existed no. at all? No, not okay. a clue. Because it, it dubs itself as a worldwide phenomenon. So I, I, just, <laughs> I hadn't heard of it either. No, so. I, I didn't. Um, I hadn't read the book. I'm on the fence if I want to. Yeah, I have, I have more questions about the book, but not, not specifically knowledge of it but just what what happens exactly because it's it's, even the trailer seems like there's a lot going on there is a lot going on it's so many things kind of enveloped into one film and i think being able to do it succinctly is kind of a pretty cool thing um it's actually the opposite of your assessment that it's like this legal thriller with like a romance mixed in it a lot of the, the main threads of it, of this story, play out through this main character. Her name is Kaya. Um, through her experiences finding love between um, two different characters throughout um, this story. And there's a murder mystery that she is on trial for, kind of woven throughout it. So you kind of get pieces of information about her and her dealings <laughs> is it told like straight through like, no chronologically no it opens with the murder and oh. it opens <laughs> okay yeah well no, i mean i say the murder you don't actually ever see see the murder but you do dead body yeah no you see the dead body right i mean like it opens with dead body yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. you don't ever actually see the act of you don't even actually see the act of who did it hmm. like the whole thing because there, the film opens with like two kids riding their bikes in the woods and they, they come to this shore um, and they find this dead body of, of the character named Chase Andrews, um, who is like a well-to-do person in, in this town that they are in. I don't remember the name, but it's some, uh, some town in, in a Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hence the, the Taylor Swift song. Yes. Yeah. So they find this dead body and, and immediately the police are like, all right, there's no footprints. He's fallen from this tower that's like 60 feet tall. So they go up to the top of the tower and find this hole that he clearly fell through. And quickly it's assumed that he could have been pushed and you know and throughout this investigation they do not find any footprints they do not find any fingerprints there's it's obvious that it was a fall so there's no like murder weapon um 
But no, so it opens with with the murder and the person that they blame this murder on immediately is um this girl in town. Her name is uh oh god, what's her full name? Catherine. Catherine Danielle Clark, but she goes by Kaya. Um she gets arrested. The town is immediately judging her um because she is an outcast. She is known throughout the town as the Marsh Girl because she lives in this house alone on the outskirts of town and just like wades through the nature that is the marsh. So um, then throughout the rest of the film, you sort of learn her history and her story and her entanglements with, with these gentlemen in town. And it's, I think, really... An, a great story of it's a coming of age story plus as I mentioned at the top a Nicholas Sparks-esque story plus this like haunting murder mystery all connected and put together mm-hmm. as one so so <laughs> <laughs> Is she, I guess, what, did, did you care for the legal stuff more than the romantic stuff or, or yeah. vice versa? I was invested heavily in both. I mean, you get, you get pretty attached. I mean, at least I did. I was very attached to, to Kaya and her story and just sort of learning about her. Um, and I was also very curious in trying to figure out, like, who actually killed this person Mm -hmm. Um, because the person who died, Chasey Andrews, is one of the two love interests that she has in this story. So, Based on my quick skim here, the star quarterback of the local high school? Yeah, sure. Is that played out in the movie? I didn't see any football in this movie. He's he's described as Berkeley Cove's star quarterback and playboy. Right. But like I <laughs> he's a well-known person, well-to-do person in the sure. town. So for him to unexpectedly die is a big mm-hmm. deal. You know, it's like Archie Andrews type thing. Or he, you know, whatever. <laughs> so um just I was invested in just learning about her story. And we learn that um she's poor. She comes from an abusive family. Her father um, is violent with her, her mother, her sisters, her brother. They all take turns just leaving him, and she sticks around and just adapts to managing him to the point where he gets frustrated with her and leaves. Mm-hmm. And she is truly, truly alone. Um, and she has to fend for herself through um, this journey with her. When it was just her with her father, she comes across this boy named Tate Walker. Mm-hmm. And he is the eventual first love interest. Mm-hmm. Once she's on her own and she's kind of wandering through the marsh doing all this stuff, she comes across a tree stump that has a feather in it. And it's a feather from Tate. And they sort of exchange feathers because. She's very interested in nature and drawing and mm-hmm. and outside of doing what she needs to, which is selling muscles to this local 
store owner. <laughs> so are both these boys nice? No. <laughs> no. We're very much um, Team Tate. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we're Team Kid that got murdered. No. Chase Andrews is the one that Chase, got murdered. Get, Chase got murdered. Okay, sorry. Chase is, an, is just a prick. Like, yeah, star quarterback and all that comes with it, mm. you know, kind of mm. just. Abuser. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just again not like <laughs> not saying all star quarterbacks are abusers. Just I'm I'm reading the, yeah. the synopsis. It's also based in the '60s. Sure. So a little um, more like traditional gender roles. Yes. Sort of idea. Yes. Yeah. Um. The book itself, by the way, was written in 2018, not the '60s, but set right. In the 60s, but no, the, based the in the '60s. Right. Um. Kaya truly falls head over heels for Tate because. He's like the first person that she's ever had this like genuine connection with besides um, the jump ins who own the shop that like help her out with like clothes or like teach her how to, you know, do math because um, she went to school for one day and they all made fun of her. So she never went back, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she gets this connection with Tate and Tate teaches her how to read. and through this one summer they she learns how to read and they they have this connection with nature and animals and and just learning about all there is with that comes with the marsh and that whole ecosystem um until he goes away to college um he gets Accepted to Chapel Hill, wants to go make a life for himself. The Tar Heel. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, they have this understanding that he will never forget her. He'll always come back for her. Mm. He'll be back on the 4th of July to watch the fireworks on their beach. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. And as you can expect, mm-hmm. he does not come back. So and- I guess, does he see her as just like a fascination like she's this weird marsh girl or is he like truly like her for who she is he truly likes her like they they truly do fall for each other and i guess he's just as complicit in the feelings as she is she's not like this disillusioned girl she's very guarded and Mm -hmm. very you know shy and timid and relies on her skills just being in nature to sort of adapt and survive quite literally is she falling in love with both these boys at the same time no okay so tate goes away to college Mm -hmm. and then doesn't come back right so she's like she deals with that heartbreak and isn't necessarily on the rebound she's just hanging out at the beach drawing pictures of like birds and stuff and as one does that is when chase andrews comes by as he's on the beach with his friends and expresses interest Basically just asks her to if he if she wants to go on a picnic with him and she's like, Yeah, sure. Um, and then they start their own romance that is very much on the DL. Um, he is this well to do person and she is very obviously a recluse within town. So um they're always meeting up at night. They're they're deep in the marsh, in the trees, in the, the, the swamp or whatever it is. Um, 
not really known that they're together, but he makes all these promises to her about how they, they're going to have a life together, a future, you know, um, and, and he really does bring her out of her, her, her shell and her, her marsh, quite literally. Out of her muscle shell. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, there's a scene where like he, he has to go, he's a manager of some store and he has to go to the other store in the next town and it's going to be a two day trip wants her to go with him. And like, if they're going to pursue this future that they aspire to of being married and being together mm-hmm. forever, then she needs to go with him. But Chase isn't all he seems, is he? No, he's an asshole. <laughs> like he's just, it just total. Like the, the way my mom would describe it is like Splenda where like it, <laughs> it tastes sweet initially, but mm. then like, you sit with it for a second and it leaves like a bad aftertaste. Mm -hmm. So, um, he starts to kind of show his true colors and is, is not, not the greatest guy. There's some parallels with him and her father, which is upsetting. Um, he's interested in her, fascinated by her, which is just hilarious because, She's the marsh girl, but her hair is always clean and brushed, and there's never like any sort of like like All those sludge on her face or anything. Yeah. Like she's just perfectly contoured. Sure. So, uh, how much of this movie is that, and how much of it is illegal? Like, how what percentage would you give? Because the the trailer makes it seem like yeah, the 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 romance is part of it, but like so much is about. Her fight to it's like right yeah. or wrong and it it's complicated because like the first little bit of it is is the legal aspect and like setting up how she got involved or how she's she's the one being accused of this like how did we get there um and then the the big like main portion of it is is her journey and these romances and whatever and, and everything else. And then the last, like, I don't know, quarter of the movie is the resolution of, of the legal side. Mm. Um, she also becomes extremely independent once she's kind of like done with chase. Well, okay, here's what happens. So she actually goes into town um, and sees Chase with like his friends and this woman comes up and says, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Chase's fiance, which kind of like freaks her out because she thought she was going to marry him. And mm. so she's like, you know what? Mm. Screw you. I'm done. And, and just goes back to her marsh life, which upsets him because he's abusive and controlling and exhibits that on Kaya. And uh, it's you know, really messed up and she defends herself fine, but that's when she learns that like, she's truly on her own and just driven to be independent and not, and not be with any people. Um, something that Tate gave Kaya before he left was a list of publishers and encourages her to sell her drawings and her, and her information about the marsh creatures to publishers to create a book which she eventually does do because there's like a very very tiny subplot of 
developers coming to like tear down her house, but of she course. owes back taxes on it. So she sells the book to get the money to pay the back taxes and officially own the property. And because what she does is obviously amazing, she gets more than enough money to just make a comfortable life for herself. But Chase Andrews just can't let her go and even comes back and like fucks with all of her stuff and says like, you know, you're, you're mine. You're blah, like in an aggressive way. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's just gross. The one, the, the main threads that pop up during the case are, there are some red fibers from, a a hat that appeared on his clothing um, that was found in Kaya's house. And that's why they assumed it was her. And there was also a seashell necklace that he wore all the time that we learned Kaya gave him, but it wasn't on the body and they never found it when they searched Kaya's house. Hmm. So we learn later on that the hat actually belonged to Tate. So now there's like this suspect of like, oh, well, maybe Tate did it, but he didn't. Spoiler. <laughs> so what is the ultimate resolution? Like, is there a happy ending to all this? What's, what's the resolution? Of, she gets cleared. She's found not guilty. Great. Um, based on the premise that she and they do actually show this. Um she sells the this book and she has to go out of town to meet publishers and so she hops on a bus goes like two towns over meets with publishers has a dinner with them that takes several hours and they show the dinner and she's talking about the intricacies of how nature works and what she's learned through her research and pointedly that you know there are there are insects within the marsh that naturally um <laughs> female insects I was going to ask you about this eat, yeah cuz you mentioned this part female e- insects eat their own their their partners their mates as like a a way of survival or just like the way nature works um that's something that they say in the trailer a lot I think is that she's like I do whatever I have to to survive yeah. The, the the as I'm looking through here, I'm co- I'm comparing the well, just one sure, second. So she's it. she's meeting with the publisher. She's talking about how how female insects eat male insects as like a thing <laughs> of survival. Yeah, she stays at a different hotel, and the way that her lawyer presents it is like she had to get on this bus, get out of town, go have dinner with these people for hours, come get back on a bus and come back to town in the dead of night and within an hour lure Chase Andrews to this tower, push him off, clear off all the evidence, get back to the bus and get back into the other town without being noticed by anyone. How is that even possible? And she's found not guilty because that's literally crazy. Sure. So, um, Sorry, what was your question? Well, just you you had mentioned the 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 bug yeah. uh, analogy. And as I was I'm, I'm I have the 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 pages open for the book and the mm-hmm. and the movie mm-hmm. to compare. There there is an entire not entire section, it's very small about uh her learning about uh animal behavior yeah. and things like that and that leads she read th- th- did this appear in the movie that she read an article 
titled, quote, Sneaky Fuckers. No. <laughs> <laughs> where she that's where she learns about the fireflies and the, the mantises. And so this is the, the line that's in the book. Um, Female flyer fireflies draw in strange males with dishonest signals and eat them. Mantis females devour their own mates. Female insects, Kaya thought, know how to deal with their lovers. <laughs> that's funny. So no, I just I wanted to know that was not directly addressed in the film. I wanted to know if the article "Sneaky Fuckers" yeah. got into this no, movie. No, <laughs> um, just to elaborate on your question about the happy ending. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, so you're she, fine. So she so she gets cleared. She's found not guilty. Yeah. Tate has come back and apologized and had scuff ups with Andrew or not Andrew Chase, which is all the more reason why we think that Tate is a suspect, but. Um, it's not immediately revealed who did it, but she she then is cleared and and her lawyer makes this amazing case about how everybody in town has prejudged her for being different and goes on to then have a very happy life with Tate. Um, Tate, who is like working in like some research lab or something nearby. Um, she publishes more books. And just, you know, her brother comes back um, and and has a very happy life. There's a very eloquent um, way that they that they display her death because um, they show her getting older. Sure. Um, and like major events that happen and just sort of like mark time. Um, but they do they do show her death and she's just like has this voiceover where she's like she always knew that she was going to die with the marsh and she's just in this boat and then the boat comes back to the dock and Tate comes out and and sees just her dead body there. Um, and the way that it all wraps up is that Tate is cleaning out the house and taking all of her notebooks, all of her diaries, all of her drawings and everything from over the years and putting it into boxes to donate to a university. And he finds one specific journal and flips through it and is just completely just happy, blissful, reminiscing of this time with this woman that he loved and had this special connection with, and then at the very end of the journal is a cutout. Like, you know how you see in, like, books where, like, people will literally, like, cut out a square and, like, hide something in it? Mm -hmm. It's exactly like that, and he finds the seashell necklace that the cops never found, alluding to Kaya actually killing chase because female insects etc 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 um do you think she actually did hell yeah so hell how, yeah. Did she, how did she cover all that stuff up in the in the because she is like i mean she's one a with the marsh creature of nature she knows how to cover her tracks i mean there <laughs> there's some point in the film I forget what's happening, but she's like running after. I forget if she's running after. She must be with Tate, but she's like extra careful to like cover up her foot tracks and whatever and doesn't want to be seen. But oh, yeah, I absolutely believe that she did it. Um, and he was an asshole, so he deserved it. <laughs> but uh, I. I did truly enjoy 
the setting of it. It's really, I mean, the the marsh is really cool, and all of that nature that comes with that part of, um, you know, the country. I'm not familiar with it, but. I think I remember seeing in an interview that Reese Witherspoon was really proud of being able to bring this setting to life. And I'm inclined to agree with her because it's, it's so cool to just like have these scenes outside. And I'm sure it's just like sound effects added, but like you hear all of like the crickets and like the nighttime animals and everything. And you see these incredible displays of like birds and, and just it's, it's not a situation of like the the marsh is its own character because it doesn't really have any sort of interaction with other like characters or whatever. Like you you hear about it in like like Sex in the City, everyone says, "Oh, New York City is like a fifth character of that." You know, whatever. <laughs> um, this isn't that. It's just a gorgeous setting and just a unique thing to just experience. Mm-hmm. Um. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed these like no names, basically. Like I have never seen the guy, like the people who play Tate and Chase before. I've never really even seen Daisy Edgar Jones in anything either. So it was nice to just get to be fully immersed mm-hmm. like that. And so I appreciate coming of age stories. Like mm-hmm. I love those teen, like teenagery movies. Um, those are fun. And it's like that meets like Outer Banks because it's about like, you know, these people like trudging through like the swamp and whatever. I was going to ask you, like, if you had to compare this to anything else that you've seen, what would you say? Yeah, no, I I think it's definitely like Outer Banks meets Nicholas Sparks plus murder mystery. Mm -hmm. So plus coming of age, but it's all it all kind of works. I was going to make an Outer Banks joke, but I couldn't think of it so simply. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you feel like with it being a book adaptation and even I said, like, it sounds like there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Did it ever feel like that there was too much going on and that things were kind of being shoved in for the sake of it was in the book. So it's gotta be in the movie. No, I mean it. Not that you would know things that were in the book. You had mentioned in your recap of Nope that there's just, there's other things happening, but there's this mystery yeah. going on the whole time and that's kind of it's kind of similar with this it just every because you know there's like a bigger thing at play here besides the story of this girl and her romances everything seems super methodical you're you're being shown what you need to not necessarily just like the whole picture um it didn't it didn't really feel suffocating in any way like that it's it goes down easy it really does um it's and I like what I mentioned to my friend. It was nice to to watch something that isn't some like CGI heavy tentpole IP blah blah blah. Like yes, it's a it's based on a book or whatever. And as, but as you mentioned before, like it's an original thing. Yeah. So I, just as a little background on that, as I found here, and why Reese Witherspoon is involved in this at all, it came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. And in that year, the book was picked for Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine Book Club. I mean, I'm, I don't really want to go into how much weight that carries. <laughs> like, 
It's not exactly the Oprah stamp of approval, but yeah, but it's like okay. So Reese Witherspoon approved of it. So what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it went on to sell twelve million copies as of January. Uh, so whatever you. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I you know. Yeah. I'm on the fence about reading it. The little bit that I've seen says, oh, you know, the book is better, but um, it's yeah. just yeah, whatever. I enjoyed it for what it is. I don't need to like do any like massive comparison of it um especially if i already know what happens in skimming through like it doesn't seem like there's a lot that's cut out it there's little the the brother i think has a larger yeah role in the book well yeah that's the one thing i was gonna mention yeah okay um when it gets to like an intense point and the brother leaves and he's like passing on sage advice to his sister He's like, if it ever gets bad, you know, you, you know, the marsh, you find your way through the marsh and keep going as far, go, go, go as far out where the crawdads sing. And worth noting, zero crawdads in the movie. (laughs) And to be honest, I was talking to another friend of mine before I I saw the movie and I was like, full disclosure, I just Googled what is a crawdad because I didn't exactly know. Oh, you didn't? No, I assumed it was a bird because like (laughs) birds sing. No. no, it is literally, <laughs> she described it as like a lake lobster. It's a big shrimp. Yeah. Okay, great. Does it sing? I have no idea because it's not in the movie. No, it doesn't. So I, again, that's, that's mentioned on the, on the book page and the, the, the movie page. Crawfish cannot sing, uh, but Kaya's mother often encouraged her to explore the marsh. So she would say, go as far out as you can way out yonder where the crawdads sing. Uh, when Tate also used the phrase, she asked him the meaning. He replied, just means far in the bush where the critters are wild, still behaving like critters. Okay. Whatever that means. Um, so speaking of singing, Taylor Swift, <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift made a original song for this movie called Carolina. It's in the trailer. Uh, I heard the end of it when I came in, to uh to round you up when your movie was over Mm -hmm. uh she uh, she i guess like felt inspired after reading it she said that she got absolutely lost in the book when i read it years ago and wanted to create something haunting and ethereal it's definitely that did you like it no (laughs) it just sounds like it's another taylor swift aaron dressner combo if you were curious like i love folklore Mm-hmm. As a complete package, it's Folklore wonderful. It, um, sorry, it's wonderful. But I'm, I'm even, so even the second one, uh, Evermore, has its hits. Yeah, I'm really, really just over her, Aaron Dressner with the oh, the boy. string instruments and cottage it's, core everything. Like I'm Wikipedia me, classifies it. Get me back it. to her having just the white hot pop, and and get back to that. Wikipedia classifies it as Appalachian folk. Yeah. I mean, it as is. a genre. Uh, but I yeah, just... She, she needs I to get back to the bops. It's... I looked up the, the lyrics as the song was playing, except I did it in, like, the last, like, 30 seconds. Um, I think lyrically, in relation to the, the story, it's good. Like, the... As, always with taylor swift is that the lyrics kill it tells a story there's layers to it it it's it's just impressive songwriting yeah but 
the song itself is not my jam. Yeah, it uh, one review here from Pitchfork IC says that uh, it's an understated song, one that stems from the darker corners of folklore and evermore, abandoning the language and texture of pop music in favor of old American folk songs. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I just don't like it. Critics liked it for what that's worth. Um, but it's critics it's certainly didn't not like a charting this song uh, on the Billboard Hot 100. It's at uh, it peaked at 60. Oof. In New Zealand, it was number five on the hot singles charts. All right. <laughs> well, one last point that I want to make. Yeah. Um, just because it's also kind of popped up in my in my reading about it and i i do apologize for not having more thorough research about it but i feel obligated to say that this is not a story without its own threads of controversy um apparently the author her name is delia owens Mm. um she this just this this BuzzFeed article, just to sum it up, um, where the crowd acting has been shrouded in controversy after problematic information about Delia Owens came to light. In 2010, almost a decade before the book's release, the New Yorker published a lengthy article written by Jeffrey Goldberg called The Hunted, in which that article details Delia's time in Africa alongside her then husband Mark and his son Christopher. I did see a note about this. I'm the looking piece up, yeah. asks the question, did American conservationists in Africa go too far as it explores the family's involvement in the death of an unidentified victim believed to have been a potential poacher? Mm-hmm. So she is actually wanted in Zambia. Wanted for questioning. Wanted for questioning mm-hmm. over the murder. And there was like a whole... Her f- and her husband. Ex-husband. Oh, ex-husband? Yeah. And son, apparently. There's a whole, like, ABC News special documentary about this shit. I guess, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's icky. Sure. It's icky. And people are, I guess there are people who have said that, like, there are parallels within where the crawdads sing of, like, Here's this woman wanted for murder. Mm. And she's like kind of gotten away with it. And sure. Um, I guess, like I said, I wish I had done a better job of looking into this, but there's apparently a lot of like stereotypical racial issues. Um, I didn't really pick up on any of that necessarily in the movie but it's more so in the book and you know i mean allegedly if she was a participant in murdering this this black person in the name of conservation like who are you to mm-hmm. make that judgment um the BuzzFeed article says, in addition to the troubling plot, the black characters in the book Jumpin' and Mabel are accused of being racist stereotypes, with one critic noting that they are the kind that are comforting to white people but may prove disconcerting for African Americans. 
the article doesn't expand on that at all, but um I think I understand what they mean though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the, the Uncle Tom, yeah. if you will. It's not perfect and it, you know, definitely does leave a, a just leaves me feeling weird about it, especially considering Taylor Swift's involvement, Reese Witherspoon's involvement. How do yeah. you not do that kind of research before involving yourself in a project like this? But then that also stems into a greater discussion of Reese and Taylor's experience with what's called like white feminism and how sure. they only champion issues that benefit them sure. um, under this guise of like helping all people, but mm. it's only issues that like they care about or whatever. Sure. So. But you do, and then you do it through a book club and uh, yeah, you know, producing, yeah, yeah. It's I I I understand exactly so, what you're going with I, there. Yeah. I didn't want to go through this entire film praising it and whatever without also noting that like it's not perfect. If I'm well, that was gonna, if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't touch this with a ten foot pole. Yeah, I wanted to ask based on the review, so. You you said ultimately you like it, yeah. But there, do you see what the why the critics maybe didn't jump it's onto basic, it? It's basic, okay. Probably, I mean, it's not. It's it's, yeah. Like I I think basic is just the best way to describe it. It's nothing new. It's just different kind of already told stories thrown into a different time setting, thrown into a different location setting all smushed together you know whatever any any last thoughts before uh before we wrap up on prod ads um crawfish prod ads da- daisy edgar jones is really good okay the performances are strong all around i think um you for, definitely- for a brit did you was her accent good yeah i mean it's not just american she's in the south and she yeah. doesn't know how to read and I read good. Yeah. So I think all the performances are strong. Um, And I don't know. Like I said, I I did enjoy it. Like we are kind of going out on like kind of kind of a sour note, but I enjoyed my time. I'm not I don't regret seeing it. I'm not like it's not a thumbs down for me. Let's put it that way. Is it a recommendation? Would you say if if. If somebody wanted to see it, would you tell them to go? If you're interested in it, just based on trailers or word of mouth, yeah. But don't go out of your way. Like, use a movie ticket or wait till streaming. <laughs> but, no, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's visually very nice. Like, it's just a, it's a gorgeous landscape. And, just, and maybe I'm saying that because I'm unfamiliar with that environment, but it was, it was just pretty to look at. And I, I did enjoy my time. And I, that was the first time that I have seen a movie by myself. And I don't even remember how long. Um, and I enjoyed yeah. my time doing that too. Love you mean it, but I like, I like going to movies by myself. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm much more of a communal movie watcher. I, I would, I want to be like in an experience and I want to be able to like, Especially with like a movie like Nope, I want to be able to like talk to somebody immediately. Like, whoa, what did you think about this and that? So uh, I do know a couple of people that have seen it, so I'll I, I'll dissect it with them at a later time. But uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm glad I'm glad we had uh, had a good time with our little split adventure here. Yeah. 
so yeah, that's our, our split review here of Nope and Where the Crawdads Sing. Uh, again, it's a, a, it's a thumbs up for me on Nope. Uh, I recommend anybody go see it. Thumbs up from me for Where the Crawdads Sing. Um, take your time. No rush. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I probably one that you can digest, like you said, on streaming or, uh, you know, where you don't necessarily yeah, have to Yeah, if commit. you're in the mood for something different that isn't some crazy some blockbuster. Affair. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 this has been our latest thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, you can catch those on Instagram. What's the Instagram handle again, Alex? A.Z underscore movie review. And also look for us on Twitter, A underscore z underscore movie review where we posted a bunch of news about comic-con reveals which you can also listen on the latest podcast that we did about comic-con uh next up uh next up is uh the gray man from netflix featuring ryan gosling and chris evans and other people (laughs) ryan gosling chris evans and other um i think there's like a female character in there somewhere yeah right? that's that's on netflix correct so you know watch it anytime you want and, and catch up with us uh you know when that comes out or when when that podcast drops uh early next week um after that what are we doing so next week is a is a is one for me that you might just have to deal with yeah i'll probably uh, go dc league of super pets it looks Dumb as hell. Dwayne Johnson as Crypto, the super dog, and Kevin Hart as the first trailer made it out like he was definitely Ace the Bout Hound, but that the the subsequent trailers make it seem like maybe he's not. So I'm curious how that plays out. I for me, I'm just so fascinated by this continued partnership of unlikely, of an unlikely pairing, quite literally, of Dwayne Ke- and Kevin, Kevin Hart and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, they've been in a lot. Yeah, and two Jumanjis wasn't didn't they do like a cop Central movie Intelligence. together? Oh, yeah. Was it is was that the cop movie? Yeah, that's yeah. the where they're like CIA agents. Um, and then August, uh, first weekend of August, we get Bullet Train. Bullet Train, looks which looks so good. They I saw a new trailer for it ahead of Nope uh, in the IMAX, and it was. Even better than the other trailers. I can't. That, that movie has such high. I can't wait for that. That's, that's going to be fun no matter what, I think. Um, There's and, still time to see the Minions movie if you're interested. Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> um, so then the middle of August is a little rough. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do for the middle and late portions of August. We may have to uh, call some audibles and do some, some, extra, some fun stuff. Sure. Um, because the only big release through the rest of August that I can really tell or any movie that I've actually heard of is uh, Beast with Idris Elba. That's like the angry lion thing. Remember seeing this trailer? Not even a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's not something I'm interested in. I don't know if we're going to see it. And it's, it's, it's not. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll determine what that is. Even September is a little... Really? Uh, the beginnings of September is a little rough before we get to Pinocchio on Disney Plus. Oh, no. That's the live action one yeah. with Tim with uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks oh as uh, Geppetto. Uh-huh. I suppressed that. Yep, that's that's early September. Unfortunate. Uh The Woman King with Viola Davis and 
with Shauna Lynch. Oh, I saw a trailer for John that. Boyega. Yeah. I saw a trailer for that before Crowd Ads and was like, wow, this is intense. Yeah. Kind of interested in that. So there's a little bit. September is also a little wonky. October picks back up again once we get to um, uh, Black Adam, but that's not until October 21st. So going to be some some sparse moments here, but we're going to keep coming out here. We're going to find movies to watch, things to talk about. Uh, content to give our thumbs up or thumbs down to on our Instagram page. And, uh, and we're, yeah. we're still having fun. That Instagram page is at Adazi underscore movie review. Also, please like, subscribe, yeah. follow, whatever. Give us a review on, on your podcast we app love of feedback. choice. We love feedback. We love questions. Yeah. And, uh, and share it with your friends and let everybody know that you have a new favorite movie podcast. <laughs> That's the A plus Z movie review podcast brought to you by Diet Alex Coke. and Zach. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> Diet Coke and filtered water. Brita. It's what makes water. Oh my God. All right. We're done. <laughs> Bye y'all. See you at the movies. <laughs>